welcome to the Grace Community Church Podcast. We are grace for everyone, community for everyone, church for everyone. We hope that as you listen to the message from this past Sunday, that your heart is encouraged and you find yourself being drawn to Jesus wherever you're tuning in from. We are so grateful that you've joined us and pray that you'll be blessed as you listen to this week's message. friends. Last week we lit the candle of hope and our prayer is that hope has been growing in your heart all week just as the light of this season continues to grow. Though the darkness and cold seem to be getting longer and stronger, we have this hope that burns in our hearts that keeps us pressing forward. Those of us walking in the land of deep darkness, we have seen a great light For to us a child is born, to us a son has been given. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. We have this great hope. And we hope that you have experienced this light in the darkness. The the promise that the darkness will not last forever. That one day the light will overcome the darkness. But that even now you have hope in the dark. Because our hope begins in the dark. Our advent begins in the dark. And somehow, the darkness is not as complete as it was even a week ago. We've seen the light, however distant or sporadic. We we realize a hope that buoys us up in the midst of our darkness. Uh, Because this season of preparation is not for the faint of heart. It's not just a cute little countdown to Christmas with little treats behind the numbered windows on our seasonal calendars. It's a season of asking difficult questions and wrestling with hard things. Because Christmas... It seems to bring out the best in us at times, but often the worst in us as well. Whether it's family drama or parking lot rage, whether it's, you know, stores packed with stressed out shoppers. I mean, does anybody still shop in stores or do we do everything online? Uh, But, or maybe it's painful memories of all that we've lost. Christmas can be dark. Christmas can be challenging. But just like hope, our peace begins in the dark that there is more light on the horizon. I'm a creature of habit. I love ritual. And the season of Advent plays right into that for me. Uh, There are things that I do every year around this time. And one of those things is pulling out my Christmas records for Advent. I've got a lot of the classics. Like I've got my grandmothers, Bing Crosby and Dean Martin and Nat King Cole. And I have a few that have ended up on repeat throughout most of the season. Uh, David Bazan's Dark Sacred Night is right at the top of the list. It gets the most turntable time, uh, probably followed most closely by Sleeping at Last and Over the Rhine. If you're looking for, you know, the opposite of Boney M at Christmas time, I've got playlists to suggest. But it's not all mellow and dark for me. I've got Jackson 5 and A Very Special Christmas in the mix as well. But there's one album that gets at least one spin every single year. And it's this one. It's John Denver and the Muppets, A Christmas Together. It's a a little corny. If you didn't grow up with it, you might struggle to understand why I need to play it every single year. But here's the reason why. This album is the soundtrack to one of the starkest memories I have of my father around Christmas time. 
Like I can picture it almost like a movie in, in the dining room of the house where I grew up, where the huge stereo stand was. I can picture him putting this record on for us kids to rock out to the 12 days of Christmas or Christmas is coming or Little Saint Nick, all sung by John Denver and the Muppets. And I remember wanting to skip over some of the slower songs, being a kid who was easily bored by the ballads. But there was one song that we played every year because it was on side A, it was in between a couple of our favorites and it's called the Peace Carol. And so now every year as an adult, I end up shedding a nostalgic tear or two as I listen to the Peace Carol. And it's the second verse that Scooter sings that gets me every single time. And, and I'm no Scooter, and I'm no John Denver, but the lyrics go, the hope that has slumbered for 2,000 years, a promise that silenced a thousand fears, a faith that can hobble an ocean of tears, the peace of Christmas Day. Hope that has slumbered for 2,000 years, that silenced a thousand fears, that can hobble an ocean of tears. This is the peace of Christmas. It's the peace that we celebrate. It's the, it's the candle that we light. And it's, it's so much more than just an absence of conflict. It's, it's so much more than what we think about when we think of Christmas peace. It's, it's that peace that comes to us in the dark, in the midst of our Advent waiting. And just like the hope we talked about last week, that peace is found in a person. Our peace begins in the dark, but it's found in a person. Last week, we turned to the prophecy in Isaiah. And I'd like to go back to that last part of the passage and then to another one in Isaiah as we talk about peace. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 5 to 7 says, Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Like war will cease. Warriors' boots will be tossed into the flames because of this child who was born, this Messiah, this deliverer that's come. He's come to establish this peace. He will be called Prince of Peace. The greatness of his government and peace will know no end. This promises what the Messiah would come and do. He would come and bring peace. In another vision of this messianic peace, Isaiah paints this really beautiful picture. A couple of chapters later, in chapter 11, verses 1 to 9, we read, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The lion will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. 
They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This beautiful picture of a Messiah who would come, it says a, a shoot or a sprout will come up from the stump of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. There was a promise that the Messiah would come from the lineage of David. He would establish his throne, we read in chapter 9. But that throne had been cut off. David and his family no longer reigned over the nation. It had been divided. The, the northern kingdom had been taken into captivity. And one could be tempted to believe that God had forsaken his people. That war would be the new way of life. There would just be a constant defending of themselves against invaders. But Isaiah promises he foresees a day when a deliverer, a Messiah, would come and rule once again. And that under his rule, there would be perfect peace. Remember that part of our Advent expectancy is imagining what it would have been like to wait in hope for a Messiah to come. To hear words like this spoken centuries before the birth of Jesus and hope that one day God would bring a deliverer. The promises of the end of war, no more conflict and strife, no more death and destruction, a prince of peace who would come with the spirit of the Lord resting on him, ruling in righteousness. It's this dream of perfect shalom. And, and we can understand that because we don't have to imagine too much uh, to see a, a wish for that in our own lifetime, that we would see an end of conflict, a, a Messiah would return and set everything to rights that we would know this great shalom of God. Shalom is the Hebrew word there for peace. And it means so much more than the absence of conflict. Shalom is wholeness. It's completeness. It's a peace that is inside and all around us. It's peace with God. It's peace with our fellow human beings. It's peace within our own hearts and mind. That This peace of God is overwhelming. It's this shalom that covers all. When we say the peace of Christmas Day, this is what we speak of, perfect shalom, wholeness. And this is what we long for at Christmas. This is, this is what the candle represents. It represents peace with God. In Romans 5, 1 and 2, Paul writes, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. The Christmas story is a story of, of redemption, of, of deliverance. It's, it's not from the oppression of Roman rule that maybe they were hoping for but, or the deliverance from slavery in Egypt like they had experienced, but it was a freedom from the bondage of sin. Humanity has been caught in the shackles of our sin and brokenness since we fell in the Garden of Eden. Darkness has reigned over us for generations. And Jesus came that he might bring us out of that kingdom of darkness, that he might lead us into light. 1 Peter 2.9 says, we, you are a chosen people. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. This is what the Christmas story is. It's a story of God coming into the darkness in order to lead us out. That Jesus came to show us the way back to the Father. He lived a life of righteousness and obedience. He laid down his life on the cross as a perfect sacrifice for our sins, and he rose again to defeat death. The Christmas story only makes sense when we see it as God's rescue mission of his calling us out of darkness into light, calling us out of conflict and strife into his perfect peace. So we have peace with God through what Jesus 
accomplished by his coming to us as that baby born in a manger and living among us, showing us a way to walk back into relationship with the Father and then paving that way with his death and resurrection that we might once again enjoy peace with God. We were outsiders. We were enemies when we chose the way of sin rather than the way of righteousness. But Jesus has shown us a better way and he's made the way back possible for us that we might have peace with God. And this is where all of our peace stems from. I'm not sure that we can know complete peace in our own hearts and minds or or even with our neighbors without first having peace with God. I'm not sure that we can have peace in the world around us if we don't first make peace with God. This this peace, this shalom, this wholeness, it's, it's available to us, to each and every one of us. And it's as simple as surrendering our lives to God, inviting Jesus to be our Lord, that he might lead us in ways of the kingdom, to be more loving, more gracious, more compassionate, more kind, that we, in a sense, would just become more like Jesus. We would reflect the image of God more fully. We have peace with God because of Jesus. It's through Jesus is the way Paul words that. It's through a relationship with him and trusting in his death and resurrection. And you can begin that relationship through a simple prayer at any moment in your life. Even now, if you've never prayed that prayer, you could surrender your life to Jesus and know peace with God. This is the peace of Christmas Day, the peace of Advent. It's the candle that we light represents this peace with God. But shalom goes deeper than just peace with God. It's more than just a personal relationship with Jesus or a relationship with the divine that created us. It, it also spills into our relationships with others. It's peace with one another. There are so many references in scripture to the end of war and bloodshed when the Messiah comes to reign. There's promises of peace between nations. There's promises of, of peace between brothers. And, and part of the longing for that kingdom to come is working to see it here and now, living in those ways now. It's not just a wishful hoping that one day Jesus is going to sort it all out. The New Testament is riddled with calls to live at peace with one another, to love one another, to serve one another, to work out our differences. In 2 Corinthians 13, Paul closes his letter with these words. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Uh, love, the God of love and peace, that, that God, there's something about his essence as we become more like him, that we are people of love and peace. And Paul's encouragement there is to be of one mind, to live in peace, to strive for full restoration, to encourage one another. You know, in, in my experience, one of the, the biggest contributing factors to people who are sincerely wrestling with their faith, and some who've maybe even walked away from their faith, it, it so often has to do with the way that they were treated by fellow believers. It's about the conflict and the fighting and the name-calling and the dismissing of one another. It's, that's why people walk away from the church. They don't always walk away from Jesus. Sometimes they do, but it's got to be almost nine times out of ten that you could point to a conflict with another follower of Jesus where somebody didn't work through their challenges and differences. And the shalom that God calls us to is the opposite of that kind of conflict and turmoil. And to live into that peace means that we're people of peace, people who work for peace with one another. We know that in, in the end, in the final shalom that Isaiah is speaking about, that that's only going to come when the Messiah 
establishes his kingdom forever. We're, we're not going to see the lamb lying down with the wolf in our day and age. We're, we're likely not going to see the end to all, you know, global conflict and even conflict between neighbors. But just because we wait and long for that day doesn't mean we can't work for it now. Doesn't mean we can't live into those values now. There is going to be a day when Jesus returns and sets everything to rights. But part of living in the kingdom is living in that way now. Living with those values in mind. In Romans, Paul encourages the church to, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Like as far as it depends on me, as far as it depends on God's work in my life, the call is to live at peace with everyone. Like rather than being someone who adds fuel to the fire or continues to stir up division and dissension, we seek to make peace. We seek ways that bring people together, that, you know, we're a calming presence in the world around us. And, and I think this can only happen when we have peace with God first, but that we also settle some things in our own hearts. Where, where we hope to see peace among fellow humans, we have to know peace in our own spirits, peace in our own hearts. And Shalom speaks to that. Shalom speaks to peace with God, peace with others, but also peace in our own hearts. Because inner turmoil almost always leads to external turmoil. If we are churning and angry and dealing with stuff in our own spirits, it almost always spills out into the lives around us. If we're not settled in our own hearts and spirits, we tend to take it out on those around us. The, the waves that are inside of us sloshing around spill out into the world around us. And it makes for choppy waters with those who love us, who we are most in contact with. I know that my sweet spot as an Enneagram 9, as a peacemaker, is when the water that's inside of me is still. Even if the waters outside aren't as still as I would like them to be, when there's a stillness in my heart, when there is a peace in my own heart and spirit and soul, I can live into that kind of peace. I can work for the stillness around me. But when everything inside of me is churning and I, I, I don't speak love, I don't speak courage and encouragement, I, I don't speak out of that stillness and peace that's at work in me. If we're going to be peacemakers, we need to have peace with God. If we're going to make peace in the world, we have to have peace settled inside of our own hearts. A peace that trusts that we're not the ones in control, but the one who is has got things under control. A peace that isn't concerned with having things go our way, but seeks to find a way of thriving for all people. That realizes that there's a bigger story being written. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, encourages the believers in verse uh, 6 and 7 of chapter 4. He says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that. The peace of God that transcends all understanding. This is a beautiful way to describe the peace that we have when we walk with Jesus. I can't really explain it. Like in the middle of the dark, I still have hope. There's still this peace that keeps me from running off the rails. My anxiety no longer gets the best of me when I remember that there is a peace that guards my heart and mind. The worries about the future and the uncertainty of it all somehow don't overwhelm me because of this peace that I can't quite explain. It's a peace that silences a thousand fears, that hobbles an ocean 
of tears. It's the peace of God, the peace of Christmas Day. It is shalom. It is this great wholeness and completeness that God offers to us and that we wait for, that we anticipate in the season of Advent. All three of these are tied together. And Christ came that we might know this kind of peace, this kind of shalom, peace with God, peace with each other, peace within, within ourselves, peace on earth. And so we wait. We wait for that last element to be fulfilled. When he returns to finally set everything to rights, when we will see the lamb and the lion lie down together, when weapons that were used for battle are smithed into gardening tools, where, where we know complete and total peace. But while we wait, we seek that peace that's available to us now. You know, the peace with God by confessing our sins and allowing the Spirit to restore us to right relationship with God. We, we seek peace with one another as much as it's possible with us. We seek to live at peace, not adding fuel to the fire, but speaking peace into the world. And, and we seek peace in our own hearts. It's available to us now through the work of the Holy Spirit where the peace of Christ guards our hearts, where anxiety and turmoil find rest in his comfort and care, where we trust that he holds tomorrow and, and he knows what we're in the middle of, that we are in the middle of the dark, and that we wait. We wait with hope. We wait with peace because we know that our peace begins in the dark. Let's pray. Lord, we, we want to know the kind of shalom that you've promised in Scripture. And, and so would you give us a taste of it in the here and now? We know that one day you're going to return and set everything to rights, but would you, by your Spirit, would you grant us a measure of that peace in our own hearts today? For those who are searching for peace with you, I pray that they might surrender their hearts and their lives to you even now, that, that they might pray, Jesus, come into my life, Lead me in your ways. I, I confess my sin and ask your forgiveness. Would you lead me in ways everlasting? That they might know peace with you today. Oh, that we might all know that peace today. That we would see your kingdom coming. That we would live in those kingdom ways, being people of peace, people who trust in your goodness and grace and, and help others to see it as well. Help us to be at peace with our neighbors with our family, with other fellow humans who are, who are also trying to find their way through the dark. Where, where there's turmoil, would we bring a measure of peace? Where we can be peacemakers, Lord, help us to embody that shalom that only your spirit can bring. We long for that day when the lamb will lie down with the wolf. We long for the day when our inner turmoil is finally settled and we know perfect peace. And so we humbly ask that you would work that peace in and through us even now that we would know this shalom even as we continue to wait in the dark. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again for joining us with Church at Home. Uh, if you prayed to have that peace with God for the first time or, or maybe recommitted your life to Jesus today, I'd love to connect with you. Send me a text or, or an email so that I can be praying for you. I'd also love to be able to encourage you and help you connect with some next steps in your walk with Jesus if, if that's the decision you made today. Uh, we do pray that each one of you has an amazing week, that you sense the hope and peace of Jesus in your hearts in increasing measure as we get closer and closer to Christmas. We'd love to see you at our Christmas Eve candlelight service on the 24th at 4 p.m. 
If you'd like to join us, there's not going to be an online version of that service, but we'll have a Christmas morning devotional with Church at Home on the 25th if you aren't able to join us on the 24th. We do pray that you have a holy and deeply life-changing Advent. And as we go, we go with this Advent benediction as we wait in the dark. May your day be blessed by moments of quietness, light in your darkness, strength in your weakness, grace in your meekness, joy in your gladness, peace in your stillness. May your day be blessed. We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace.